Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, bed crimers. As always, I wish you the best. To anyone new here, a warm welcome. Thank you for checking out my channel. Let me just ask that after listening to or watching this video, if you learned something or enjoyed it, please do me a favor and smash that like button. Now, let's dig in. Hi, bed crimers. Top of the day to you. More news about the case out of Moscow, Idaho, in which Brian Koberger is accused of taking the lives of Zana Kernodal, Ethan Chapin, Madison Mogan, not Morgan, and Kaylee Gonsalves. May those sweet souls rest in peace. According to News Nation, a new inmate at the Latah County Jail has been nonstop threatening Brian Koberger and the guards. The verbal threats were so bad that the guards had to move the loudmouthed inmate to another location in the jail, which isn't really all that large to begin with. On the night the new inmate turned up, Koberger was said to be up all night because of the inmate's nonstop threats, which were that he was going to do Koberger in. Of course, no one except those who believe in the presumption of innocence probably care that Koberger lost a few winks. The newbie also threatened the guards by saying he would get Koberger to do them in as well. That tells me this person is more than just a Koberger hater. Whether this inmate is mentally ill or suffering from the effects of a substance, threatening the guards goes beyond just wanting to get his hands on the accused Koberger's neck, and it's overall just a really bad idea. News Nation is also reporting that the Koberger family back in Pennsylvania is suffering as a result of Brian's arrest and charges. Koberger's two sisters are said to have both lost their jobs, one as a school counselor and the other maybe as an actress, although I'm not sure how you can lose your job as an actress unless you have an ongoing gig at a dinner theater or something. The reports are that the two women were terminated because of their connection to Brian Koberger. And it's not just his older sisters who are suffering. Apparently, Koberger's parents are also in bad financial straits. Although both parents are retired, News Nation is saying there is a serious money problem. They also reported that Koberger's sisters were in the family home when the raid occurred on December 30th, and they made comments that the people raiding the house heard that let them know that the sisters were completely unaware of their brother's possible connection to the gruesome crime in Idaho. Personally, I feel bad for Koberger's family. There's no evidence thus far that we know of anyway that any of the family members had any involvement in the crime or any knowledge of it. While many people will say they don't care about the Kobergers, I cannot do that. I believe we should put ourselves in the parents' and sisters' shoes. Imagine if you were them and suddenly your family member was arrested and charged with this most disturbing crime, would you think it was just and ethical 
if you were fired because of what your child or your sibling was accused of doing? And consider that as well in the light of Brian Koberger's current status as presumed innocent until proven guilty. Carrie Rawson, the daughter of serialist Dennis Rader, or BTK as he is known, rightly described Brian's parents and siblings as crime victims themselves. Don't come for me for saying this. Again, I know the Kobergers are in a better position than the victims' families. A way better position, no doubt about it. But the truth is that Koberger's family, because of his alleged evil deeds, is also suffering in ways that few of us can understand and many of us choose to ignore. Rawson said that when her dad was arrested, her whole family had to stop working for a period, and Raider's mother had to be moved to a secret location to protect her from threats and harassment. That's not right. What Koberger's parents and siblings need right now is compassion and kindness. Let's not lump them in with Brian Koberger. I think one of the reasons Brian moved to Washington was to get away from his family and possibly to be in a better position to allegedly plan and commit a crime without worrying that his family might notice his movements. That's just me speculating, but I think it might have some merit. According to News Nation, the Koberger family's financial woes may explain why none of them has made the trip to Idaho thus far to visit Brian. That trip is long by car and pricey by plane. I'm not surprised that the family hasn't gone there. Most families on a tight budget would probably wait until the trial, if there is one, to make such a journey. News Nation is also reporting that the family is communicating with Brian over the phone. Note that this, too, is probably a hardship for the Kobergers. Depending on how often you speak to an inmate over the phone and how long the conversations are, the costs can really add up. First, you have to go through the jail or prison's telecom provider, and the costs are typically more expensive than a normal phone call. According to prisonpolicy.org, in 2021, the average cost of a 15-minute prison call in the United States was about $3. Imagine if an inmate speaks to his or her family more than once a week or more than once a day. While 3 bucks doesn't sound like a lot, I mean, it's cheaper than a Starbucks latte, that number can quickly escalate. Factor in a low-income family who wants to maintain a relationship with their loved one, and now you have a financial strain. The Leta Jail uses a service called Getting Out, and it charges 25 cents per minute for all phone calls within Idaho. That's a lot. Prepaid calls between Idaho and other states cost 21 cents a minute, don't know why it's cheaper, I guess the prepaid part, and international calls are $0.95 cents a minute. In addition, there's a fee of $3 every time you add money 
to the inmate's account online. And it costs $5.95 if you add funds over the phone with the help of a live agent. You can also leave an inmate a short voicemail for a flat fee of $1.25. So you can see this stuff can add up really fast. Personally, I don't think it's fair that the family of an inmate who's awaiting trial and thus is still presumed innocent should have to pay such inflated prices to communicate with their loved ones. The inmate hasn't been found guilty yet, and the family isn't the one accused of the crime. The inmate has to have phone time purchased for him or her, so it's the family who bears the burden of the costs, not the accused. According to that same website, jails and prisons often choose their telecom providers on the basis of which company will pay the facility the most money in kickbacks. Many prisons are for-profit, and as a result, they inflate the prices on pretty much everything. In other news, the Daily Mail spoke to members of an organization called Project Hope Idaho. It is a local Christian organization that sends ministers into Latah County Jail and other prisons and jails in the area to share the gospel with inmates, including Brian Koberger. Project Hope was established in 2008, and according to Pastor Mike Hall, their aim is to read Bible passages, teach Celebrate Recovery, which is a Christ-centered 12-step program aimed at helping individuals overcome their hurts, habits, and hang-ups. So they minister not just to inmates. As for Brian Koberger, he reportedly leaves his cell at 7 p.m. on Sundays to meet with one of the ministers in the jail's library. The minister then leads Koberger in prayer. Mike Hall said this of the organization's prison ministry, and I quote, We do not tell folks that this will relieve them of their responsibility for their crimes, regardless of whether you're in for some offense like that or some drug offense. We're all on the same plane in terms of our need for grace and forgiveness from God, end quote. That said, the organization also stated that even if they offer prayer to the inmates, they still want justice done for the families. Steve Otto, a board member of Project Hope, said the decision to share the gospel with Koberger is challenging stuff for sure. He said, and I quote, I found myself praying quite a bit about truth and justice. My heart goes out to the victim's parents. I can't imagine the pain they're feeling. We want justice done. God is a God of compassion, and that is extended to everyone. That's my personal hope, and that's my faith. I would say that he, Koberger, is welcome to receive God's forgiveness and grace. End quote. For his part, Pastor Mike Hall confirmed that members of the organization have met with Koberger, though he wouldn't disclose details of the conversations. He stated this, and I quote, I know they've requested folks 
to sign special non-disclosure agreements, you can't discuss anything about it. It's a requirement from the sheriff's department, end quote. So that's all for now. I hope you're happy and in a good place today, and I'll see you next time. Now do me a favor, smash that like button, subscribe to my channel for all the latest news on this case and more, and I'll see you next time. Until the next time on Bed Crime Stories.